goddamn takeaways. I'm so excited. This was a great week. This week delivered. This week, del- the NFL is delivered for two straight weeks. First two weeks were an abomination. They were an atrocity. They were a football atrocity. It was not good, not good football. These last two weeks, great football, big high-scoring games. The high-scoring games we thought would be high-scoring games delivered as high-scoring games. We had some surprise high-scoring games. It was great. This is what we want. We want scoring. We want fantasy points. We're in the fantasy business. Lots of turnovers, a lot of extinguished drives don't actually do anything for us. We don't care. We want to see sustained drives. We want to see touchdowns, and we got the touchdowns. We got the touchdown. We got what we wanted. This was a great week. And coming into this week, there were a lot of players with a lot at stake and a bunch of coaches with a lot at stake, too. And that was what was very interesting was the number of coaches whose careers were on the line, reputations were on the line, legacies on the line. There was a lot of the line this week. You had, you had quarterbacks playing for their careers. It was, it was actually one of the more fascinating weeks in the history of the NFL. I was so excited. We, we fired up the Red Zone channel, had a date with my daughter. We put it on the calendar. We're going to be watching the Red Zone channel. And then what happened? What happened was we were assigned chores. So I think everybody that uh, is, is in a family knows this feeling where you're sitting down, you're ready to enjoy leisure time, and then uh, a leader of the family, I am not the number one uh, head of the family, leader of the family, that is my wife, reminds my daughter and I that we have a bunch of outstanding things to do in the yard. So suddenly what was supposed to be red zone time became outside chore time, and that's okay. It was a beautiful day. It was great. We had a good, we, 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 what we did was, here's what we did. We put the red zone channel on the outside speaker system. So while we were breaking down the pool and breaking down the uh, patio and picking carrots in the garden, all these things we were doing, we had the red zone channel, at least the audio version playing so that we did our best. We did our best. And then, of course, we were able to get in and, and, and see some of the action, which was great. We got to see Russell Wilson come roaring back just in time to see Russell Wilson come roaring back. And what I like about what Russell Wilson's doing, which is bad for fantasy, but good for real football, good for Russell Wilson. If you're a Russell Wilson fan, if you're a Broncos fan, this is good. He's spreading the ball around, right? No no player getting more than six targets in the game. They say, who are these players? Like he's getting players involved. Michael Robinson. Who's that? Like, I don't know who these players are. I've never heard. I run playerprofiler.com. I've never heard of some of these players. So that was interesting that that Russell Wilson is finding players I've never heard of. And he was 0-3. They looked bad. He looked bad. Sean Payton looked bad. Sean Payton's legacy on the line. Russell Wilson's legacy on the line. And he delivered. He came back down 28. It was amazing. What a great comeback. That's the defense. If you want to come back against the defense, it would be that defense. And all they had to do was just keep scoring. And Chicago couldn't keep scoring. Patrick Sertan is the key to the Denver Broncos' non-defense. Like He is the one guy that can make plays. He had some outstanding pass breakups against DJ Moore that allowed him to squash some, some comeback drives uh, at the end and, and prevented... Justin Fields from keeping the magic going throughout the game. But Justin Fields also played well, right? I mean, he 
he played well enough that we could restore some confidence in Justin Fields. Right. So that was that was interesting to see. Mistake free first half. The only incompletion he had in the entire first half was a throwaway, which was great. Jerry Judy, on the other hand, not great. Jerry Judy, so clearly a fake alpha, where he and Cortland Sutton are commanding a similar target share, similar efficiency. They're both fake alphas. They have a, they have fake alphas, but no true alpha. And I think that's why Russell Wilson has to spread the ball around. Part of the reason why he's spreading the ball around so much is that it's just fake alpha after fake alpha. These Alabama fake alphas. We're going to start talking about another fake alpha from Alabama later in the show. And I've been right as rain about so many players that just were not real. We're sold to be alphas and we're not alphas. And there's one thing that you have to do. If you want alpha receivers on your fantasy team, you need to draft them early. We'll talk about that later as well, because that's another key to what we observed today, what we observed on Sunday, what we observed last Thursday, is that if you want upper echelon wide receiver output, then you need to pay up for those players. And how does that translate into fantasy strategy that is something we're going to get into in the show today other teams that had a lot at stake the Bengals season was at stake they had to beat a lowly Titans team and then they got blown out by that Titans team which tells me the Bengals are ruined they're ruined they're not going to happen this year Joe Burrow's not right the defense isn't right nothing is right offensive line's not right they've got problems up and down this roster that I did not appreciate coming in. Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill have reestablished themselves. Derrick Henry looked more explosive. I thought he looked sluggish to, to start the season. He's starting to round into form. It makes sense. He's a big dude who is 250 pounds, and it's going to take him a few games to get fully online. That actually makes sense to me, that a guy of that size wouldn't look as explosive in week one as he does in week four. That, again, perfect sense. Ryan Tannehill, unfortunately, bought himself weeks. He bought himself an additional month under center with that win against the Bengals. Now they're 2-2, two and two, and had he flamed out, had Ryan Tannehill flamed out, they would be turning the reins over to... Malik Willis, someone else, maybe Will Levis, probably not. Maybe a, maybe they bring in a quarterback like the Jets brought in Trevor Simeon. Jets did not have to turn to Trevor Simeon, so that was a, a – Zach Wilson's career was at stake. Zach Wilson was competitive. That's all he needed to be, just to, to maintain control and maintain his role as the starting quarterback of the New York Jets for now. So a lot of players came in with a lot at stake – and delivered. That was what was cool about this week. A few didn't, like Joe Burrow did not. I thought Calvin Ridley had a lot at stake, so we'll get right into it with Alabama betas, because if there's no Zay Jones, and you're going to go up against the Falcons and their secondary, well, you better deliver, right? Your former team in London, Wembley Stadium, you better deliver, right? Everything was teed up. For Calvin Ridley, and what did he do? Two targets, Christian Kirk, 12 targets. Again, no Zay Jones. Like, out-targeted by Kirk, out-targeted by Evan Ingram, by a lot. Right. So again, 
more evidence mounting that Calvin Ridley is a beta and that what players do in shorts in training camp is not predictive of what they will do when the games actually begin, the real games in the actual NFL season with full pads on against full speed defenses. Calvin Ridley has never been an alpha. He's always been a beta. I don't don't even consider Calvin Ridley to be a fake alpha because I don't remember him ever being an alpha. He was always the beta to Julio Jones. So at what point was he ever an alpha? Never. I know that the fantasy public really wanted him to be an alpha. Chris Vaccaro, we talked about it on the Fantasy Empire show. He was going second round at the NFFC. Second round, NFFC. What are you doing? What are you doing? Can you imagine drafting a running back like Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley in round one, and then you don't get access to Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and then your first wide receiver you draft is Calvin Ridley in round two? I mean, talk about getting it backwards. Talk about getting your fantasy drafts ass backwards. That's it. And you're the ass. If that's if that was how you if you started with a running back in round one and then turned right around and went with a, a Calvin Ridley in round two, then I can't help you. All right, you clearly don't listen to this show, and you deserve to lose. But the big loser in Atlanta is Kyle Pitts, right? Kyle Pitts, his career was on the line, and so was Drake London, right? This was a big, this was a big week, big week against Jacksonville. Who is going to step up as the primary receiver Next to Bijan Robinson, because it's we know Bijan is going to be a featured option in both the running game and the passing game. And because they focus so much on the running game in Atlanta, there's really only one other receiver that's going to be able to be featured with any kind of consistency. It's either going to be Kyle Pitts or it's going to be Drake London. And what we saw in London was London. London was featured in London. Kyle Pitts was not. And it makes sense. Kyle Pitts is a tight end, right? Where Drake London was a dominant, true alpha wide receiver in college, was a top 10 pick. This shouldn't surprise anybody that he's a preferred option in the passing game to Kyle Pitts. And if you're going to have a true alpha and a true alpha running back, right? An alpha receiver and an alpha running back who is also a fantastic receiver out of the backfield. The tight end is the one who will be squeezed out, and that's what we saw again, and that is Kyle Pitts. He's going to have a random week here and there, but the Kyle Pitts ADP was baffling to me. Baffling. Baffling. You could wait rounds and get Evan Ingram, and you're you're, you're hoping that, that Pitts is Evan Ingram this year, so why not just draft Evan Ingram? So Kyle Pitts is definitively the odd man out in Atlanta. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. I've learned that Kenny Pickett is not that good. He's not that good, and Kenny Pickett's deep ball passing and, and his his accuracy under pressure last year was a small sample trap, and I fell for it. Like, I fell into the trap. Again, he's had some difficult matchups. The Houston defense is the most improved defense of any defense this year, and they've had a, a murderer's row of defenses they've had to face this year. Pittsburgh has, but, 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 they, again... It's a shame that Pickett will not be allowed to face a soft secondary before he sprained his MCL. I believe in watching the replay that it is a sprained MCL for Kenny Pickett. It hasn't been reported yet exactly what the injury is. 
It's not season-ending. My speculation is sprained MCL from what I saw. And it could be worse than Mitchell Trubisky. It could be worse. He did support two consecutive 1,100-yard seasons for Allen Robinson. Ironically, Allen Robinson's back on the roster, but it's now George Pickens in the Allen Robinson role. But it's not over for George Pickens. He's going to be the, the the focus. It's over for Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin, Allen Robinson, even Pat Fryermuth. Their potential to score fantasy points this year is is reduced without Pickett because Pickett's not great, but Trubisky is a downgrade from Kenny Pickett but not the most significant downgrade. It's, he's not the worst backup quarterback. It could be worse. It could be worse, and the, the primary option will always be fed. Pickett to Pickens was always going to be a thing, and whoever is the primary option is going to be first at the trough. The under-the-radar loser of this Kenneth Pickett Sr. sprained MCL probably is Deontay Johnson. Because when Deontay Johnson comes back, he's not going to be able to command the targets because I believe what's going to happen is what we saw in Chicago with Allen Robinson, that it is Trubisky zeroing in on Pickens on the outside, forcing the ball to Pickens. I believe that's what we're going to see. That's so often what we see. Look at, look at Zach Wilson force-feeding Garrett Wilson, 14 targets. Right, Garrett Wilson is going to get there. Aiden O'Connell force-feeding targets to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, 15 fantasy points this week with Aiden O'Connell. Jacoby Myers, 5. That's not a surprise. That's not an accident that that happens. Bad news for Deontay Johnson. And Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson was sold to be the next Deontay Johnson. And Jahan Dotson had one of the least efficient games you're going to see from a wide receiver. This was a must-produce game for Jahan Dotson. His dynasty value was at stake, and he did get the nine targets. He did bail you. He had the bailout touchdown. On 27 yards, you're rarely going to get a touchdown if you're a wide receiver, but Jahan Dotson did that because what does Jahan Dotson do? He outperforms his touchdown expectations improbably, right? Even if he's going to put up less than three yards a target. It was outproduced by Deami Brown. Deami Brown doubled his yardage output on only three targets. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic by Jahan Dotson. His advanced metrics were average to pathetic last year. He just had some wow factor touchdowns. And in a large enough sample, those get factored out. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing the number three receiver on Washington isn't interesting. And it, 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 27 yards on nine targets is not convincing me that no, 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 actually, Jahan Dotson is a, is, a, is a valuable dynasty asset. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. So those are the headlines. Those are the headlines. That's, those are the players that had a lot at stake. Many of them delivered. Some were injured, like Kenneth Pickett. Others face-planted, like Calvin Ridley and Jahan Dotson, but did get the bailout touchdowns. So you had some face-plants with bailout touchdowns. Most delivered or were bailed out by a touchdown or got injured. That's that's the that's the overarching summary of all of these players with maximum at stake in week four. So it's uh it's not it's it it I wish, right? I, I, I really wish of all the players that had the worst week four and uh have have had the most damage done to their career. I really, I honestly I wish it wasn't Kenneth Pickett Sr., but that he played so poorly 
against what is believed to be a weak defense that isn't actually a weak defense, and then to get hurt, and then you leave now the 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 potential of Mitchell Trubisky outproducing you, that Mitchell Trubisky could, in theory, because he's going to get Fryermuth back. He's going to get Deontay Johnson back. He has George Pickens. He has Calvin Austin with the 4-3 wheels. It's now possible that Mitchell Trubisky outproduces and just looks better with the better weapons in the next three or four weeks than Kenneth Pickett Sr. did through three and a half games. And that would be a damn shame. That's just not good. That is a damn, damn shame because I I do like Kenny Pickett, the player. And now if, if he gets overshadowed in the next four weeks by Mitchell Trubisky and we suddenly have a, a quarterback controversy, that would be a damn shame. And now I these are not my these are not my my takeaways. This is these are my headlines. These are my headlines. These are this is my summary of those that had the most at stake and uh, the most disappointing performance was was Kenneth Pickett. And my takeaways are coming at you after this. Oh, I see it every day online, every single day. Hey, that looks like a great fantasy team in an eight-team league. Oh, wish I could be in a league with you, right? Well, guess what? Now you can respond with, sure, let's play on Betel. That's the beauty of this platform. This new Betel platform standardizes all position scoring. So you just load your team and you challenge your friend, your colleague, Twitter troll, and you can browse other teams and issue challenges. Betel is revolutionizing fantasy football. And with code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match plus a free $10. So even if you deposit 20 you get 50. Think about that. So go to Betel.com. The code is Underworld. Betel.com. The code is Underworld. Or click a link in the description. It's fun to be right. It really is. It really is. I had a lot of fun being right on Sunday. It was great. It was great. It was great. There were teams also that were in uh, must-produce, must-win situations. The Vikings. The Vikings produced, right? They they barely got it done, right? They barely got it done. Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. That dichotomy was on the line. And what happened? Well, I think now it's clear. Bryce Young put up 6.4 yards per attempt. Lost again. C.J. Stroud, clearly for real, was prolific again, spreading the ball all around the field, crushing the Steelers at home. Vegas was as wrong as Vegas has ever been. I went on the, the Fantasy Empire show last week, and I, I asked Chris Vaccaro, explain this to me. Can you explain to me this line? This is the most befuddling line I've seen all year. Houston plus three at home? How are Houston a home dog against the Steelers? The Steelers are terrible. They're awful. What is this? Houston's good. Defense is underrated. Quarterback is rolling. Skill positions are underrated. Their offensive line, we talked about that in the offseason, going to be one of the better offensive lines in the sport, certainly one of the best tackle duos in the sport. How? Like, how? You just go go unit by unit, player by player. Houston's a much better team, and they're at home. Didn't make any sense. And and then all Chris could, all Chris could surmise, to, we're just speculating what happened. How is this line so wrong, so clearly inefficient, it's like, yeah, Vegas just doesn't believe. The public doesn't believe. Look at their records, right? 
Steelers are two and one technically. And I'm like, really? Is this this is this is how easy it is to win at sports betting? This is crazy. I didn't it was the mo it was the weirdest line. I think most people looking at the lines last week that have been paying any attention at all to football were like, oh, this is this is wrong. I, I maybe there's someone out there, some big, you know, smart money sports better who's somehow all in on the Steelers, but I don't care. Like it's just this is weird. It's not gotta be Houston. Home? Come on, man. Steelers? What? Crazy. So yeah, Bryce Young solidified himself as not the best quarterback in this class. Right? So it's it's over. It's clearly CJ Stroud. And Bill Belichick also solidified the dichotomy between Belichick and Brady. It's always been a debate, right? And Belichick he has not won anything since Brady left. And the team has been slowly getting worse and worse since Brady left. And all those Brady-related pieces have eroded away. The team is just is steadily deteriorating around Bill Belichick. But yet, the debate persists, right? Who was most responsible for all the winning in New England, all those championships, the, the, the dynasty, the New England dynasty? And it, it, it was Brady. That, that's who was responsible for it, right? And every week that goes by, we get more and more evidence that it was Brady all along. And that Belichick was just along for the ride. And here we are again, getting blown out. It's an experiment. We're so fortunate that Bill Belichick did not retire when Brady left. He should have. He should have, but he didn't. He wanted to hold on. Maybe add to his legacy by winning without Brady. Nah, 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 nah. It was Brady that added to his legacy by winning without Belichick. And now we're seeing it again. Now we're seeing it again. We're seeing another, just another chink, right? Another chink. It's just chink after chink after chink after chink in this Bill Belichick armor, right? This this narrative-driven armor that he's this genius coach, right? Oof. So, uh, also noteworthy, the Colts were uh, losing in this game big, right? Losing big. Down 20 to the Rams. So, Anthony Richardson had to throw, but only threw 25 times. They were down 20 at halftime. Anthony Richardson only threw 25 times, only completed 11 passes. He had 35 fantasy points because he rushed for 56 yards and a touchdown. See, that's not good, okay? That's not good, right? The the pass attempts in that game environment were very Justin Fieldsian. So I the Anthony Richardson stat line, fantasy point output of 35 points is not what it seems. Okay, there's actually a lot of concern from this game uh, with Anthony Richardson's play. He did take care of the football, so that was big, right? That was again. This is the this was the takeaway from week one. What did I like about Anthony Richardson for the majority of the game? Did not turn the ball over. Again, no interceptions. This is good news. Longer term, this is very good news for Dynasty. It's great news for Anthony Richardson. For this year, the low pass attempts, 25 pass attempts in this game environment is a a warning signal for what we're going to get from Anthony Richardson moving forward, that he needed those two touchdowns and the rushing production to give you those 35 fantasy points against the Rams. This was a game that we knew Anthony Richardson, if he played, he was probably going to go nuclear against the Rams defense. He did do that, but the peripheral usage, especially as a passer, was concerning to me. And Zach Moss, in a game where they were throwing the entire second half, Zach Moss needed to go out and command targets out of the backfield. Zach Moss, one target. 
Because that's what Zach Moss is. He's a between-the-tackles grinder, and when it's not Gardner Minshew under center, and you have a quarterback who is going to call his own number inside the five-yard line, Zach Moss is going to do exactly what Zach Moss did, which is put up 70 rushing yards, and that's it, right? 70 rushing yards and a two-point conversion, right? 70 rushing yards, no touchdowns, no catches, right? Because it's Anthony Richardson, not Gardner Minshew. Anthony Richardson, as a mobile quarterback, less likely to dump it off to the running back, less likely to call the running back's name inside the five-yard line. And now we're getting reports that Jonathan Taylor wants to return to the team. So that's why today I wore my Zach Moss crying Jordan t-shirt. That's why. I hope hope you enjoyed the Zach Moss run. Zach Moss with Gardner Minshew was a running back you could start. Zach Moss with Anthony Richardson is not a running back that I want to start. It's a big difference. Big, 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 big. But yeah, I I think the, the, the best thing that happened this weekend was Bill Belichick getting exposed again as being just another coach who happened to be paired with the right players at the right time and just happened to have Tom Brady as his quarterback. Must be nice, right? Must be nice to have Tom Brady. A lot of coaches come and go in the league never having a great quarterback and you never even remember that they were ever even a coach in the league. And if you are a running back, you want a quarterback who's going to call run plays inside the five, who's going to dump it off to the running back. And you want a team that's going to score points. So this is the problem with Ramadre Stevenson. I did not understand Ramadre Stevenson. His ADP barely shifted. It went from mid-third round to late-third round with the addition of Ezekiel Elliott. This was already a team that wasn't going to score a lot of points. Now you're adding all this touch competition and competition for the critical green zone inside the five carries and yet his ADP barely moved that was weird to me that was that was a weird one just go ahead and don't draft don't draft a running back in that entire zone Jameer Gibbs Ramadre Stevenson right we'll, we'll keep talking about this. this is going to be an ongoing theme of this show right wait a second you're not drafting a running back in round one or round two and now you tell me I shouldn't have been drafting a running back in round three yeah yeah that's that's what I was saying all year I do remember, all the way back to last Thursday, we should mention it, seems like so long ago, but Jordan Love was exposed. Jordan Love, two interceptions and a fumble. He was saved by the rushing touchdown. The Lions defense is for real. That's a takeaway. Sam Laporta also now has a clear path to dynasty tight end one. That's a takeaway. Oh, isn't that a takeaway? That's a good takeaway. I think that, but that's right. It's a clear, it's a, I mean, it's amazing. That you have Mark Andrews posted up as our tight end one. And what does Mark Andrews do? Two touchdowns. So I was talking to Theo about it. And he's like, man, we got we to we we make sure uh, to, that we talk about how Laporte is getting vaulted in our dynasty rankings. And I was like, I know, it's really exciting. And he's like, tight end one, he's in, right around the corner. And I was like, well, in theory, yes. But last time I checked, Mark Andrews is still in his 20s and has delivered year in year out even one year had more fantasy points per game than travis kelsey that was just that was recently just a couple of years ago so we'll, we'll hold on a second we're not going there anytime soon but it's interesting that he's gonna he's already cracked the top five and the path is there right because mark andrews is past the age apex travis kelsey is in his mid-30s 
Kyle Pitts is flamed out. So you, you, George Kittle is in the middle of a target squeeze. So you have all these other tight ends that are falling down around him, and it's Laporta that is rising up. So the case can be made. I'm sure others will be making this case. I'm not making the case. Tight end two is something I think is very, very close, right? Every day, Travis Kelsey gets a year older. Wait, that, that's not right. Every day, Travis Kelsey gets a day older. <laughs> Imagine if he got a year older every day. So Travis Kelsey is getting a day older every day. What am I, Yogi Berra? Am I Yogi Berra? What is, what's going on here? So Travis Kelsey's definitely getting a day older every day or a year older every day or a day older every year. He's go, It's one of those. Okay, And again, all these other tight ends are underproducing with the exception of Mark Andrews. So we'll see what happens. We're going to see what we're going to the target share that Laporta's commanding, the targets down the field that he's commanding, the efficiency that he's delivering is exceptional. But I also remember that Kyle Pitts had a thousand yards in his rookie year. So we're not going to be the service that runs out and just posts up Sam Laporta as tight end one. But the path is clearing for him to get there. I don't believe he will surpass Mark Andrews this year. That's just not the type of dynasty service that we are. Others want to do that, and they're so often wrong. And we won't. Probably. Maybe. But we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. It's possible over the next five, six weeks, Laporta, if he outproduces Andrews week in, week out, it's going to be a conversation. Okay, so Laporta reaching tight end one in dynasty may eventually become a conversation. That's that's as far as I'm willing to go. But there were some important principles. I did host the Starter Stream show on YouTube on Sunday morning. I enjoyed it very much. Lots of great calls. Lots of people asking if they should start Jacoby Myers. No. Asking if they should start Elijah Moore. No. What are you doing? These are not the primary options with rookie quarterbacks taking over. Just wait and see. A lot of people really excited about Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Just let it happen. Wait a week and see what happens before you start Elijah Moore. So many people asking about Elijah Moore. It was, the, it was the two players I got the most questions about were Elijah Moore and Jacoby Myers. And I said, bench them, do not start them. Just because, just wait. The, the Tom Savage corollary tells us that it's gonna, the targets are going to go to DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to go to Amari Cooper. They're going to go to Devontae Adams. Thompson Robinson was so bad that he couldn't even target Amari Cooper. He couldn't target anybody. And that it was that was given away by the, the, the game total was 38. So there were questions about, well, should I start Ford or Josh Jacobs? And I was like, well, they're both going to get punished. You, you need to check your expectations for both because there's the rookie quarterback or bad quarterback play, inefficient quarterback play hurts the receivers and the running back because there's just fewer points scored. But Vegas believes there's going to be 10 more points scored in the Raiders-Chargers game. And for that reason alone, you chase the total points. That's why you go Josh Jacobs. That was the same reason to go Devon A-Chain. Everyone's like, what about A-Chain? You're going to start A-Chain? He's not starting. He's still technically a backup running back. I'm like, yes, you're starting Devon A-Chain because he can give you an 80-yard run and it's like a 54-point total. So this is going to be a shootout game. And so you want to play. I was like, there's an argument to start Latavius Murray. Right? That's that's where I'm at with, with these types of blowouts or shootouts. It ended up being a blowout. It was probably going to be a shootout. Either way, lots of points scored. You just want to get a piece. 
you want Gabriel Davis in that game. It turns out you even wanted Braxton Berrios. Braxton Berrios is going to continue to have weeks. He has established himself as the number three. They do not have a tight end of consequence. Durham Smythe is not a tight end of consequence. Neither A-Chain nor Raheem Mostert are what you would call target magnet wide receivers, though Mostert had the catch of the day by a running back. He jumped up between two guys, squeezed the football in traffic. It was amazing. But because of that, because you're given the team environment that Braxton Barros is operating in, he's a great ad. He's a great ad. These are the types of receivers I like to add throughout the year, keeping my money in reserve for the Jerome Fords and, and then picking my spots with wide receivers. We talked about it last week. That was the week to trade for Nico Collins. It's like he had the dud performance. Someone went out and got him on waivers. Now they're, they're not sure if they're going to start him. You can go ahead and trade for him. And there were a lot of questions at the Starter Stream show about Tank Dell. Tank Dell. Okay, just because the guy had a touchdown last week or had a big game last week for a team with not only Tank Dell, but Nico Collins and Robert Woods is starting in all three receiver sets. They're ramping up John Mechie. They still have Dalton Schultz that they just paid a big contract to. What do you think is going to happen? They brought in Devin Singletary to catch passes. This is a spread-the-ball-around offense. You can't start Tank Dell with any kind of confidence, even if it is Pittsburgh, because you don't know if it's going to be Tank Dell this week or it's going to be Nico Collins. The rule that I follow is that does that opposing team have a true alpha corner? If they do, I'm going to go Tank Dell, because he's the one that's going to be moving around the formation, whereas Nico Collins, he's going to eat when he's facing a lesser primary corner. So if a team has a below average primary corner, like uh, the Steelers, then it's probably going to be a Nico Collins week. That's why all the questions about Tank Dell said, you're not starting Tank Dell this week. No, that's, that's point chasing. Go right back to Damian Pierce. Now, Damian Pierce, did he give you the touchdown? No. Was it unfortunate to see Singletary in there in the green zone? Yes. But who was getting the majority of the touches? It was Damian Pierce. And this is a a quality offense. They're scoring a lot of points with a good offensive line. Damian Pierce is the best by low of any running back in all of fantasy. And I, and I had to check it. I was like, did, did he get hurt? Like, wh- why? Why was why was Devin Singletary in there? But he didn't. He didn't get hurt. He had 25 touches. He had 108 yards. Damian Pierce was great. He just didn't give you the touchdown. The touchdowns are a lot more random than yards. And a lot more random than touches. So just follow the touches, follow the, the yards, go get Damian, trade for Damian Pierce. That's the that's clearly a top 10 takeaway. Trade for Damian Pierce. Oh yeah, just like you were trading for Nico Collins last week. And I don't think you can get Michael Wilson. Now the, the, the genie's out of the bottle. Michael Wilson, 7 for 7, 76 yards, 26 fantasy points. Yeah! Yeah! Woo! Yes! This is a this is a third rounder. Very few third round wide receivers hit. Gonna go back to like Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin. It's a rare thing. Now we're gonna have Tank Dell and Michael Wilson. This is exciting. And Michael Wilson was he was the exception to the rule. You're just pounding running backs in round three, four, five of rookie drafts in Dynasty, with the exception of Michael Wilson. Bang. But yeah, you started A chain because there's gonna be a lot of points scored. And he can deliver big boom performances. He also out-touched Raheem Mostert by one touch. 13 touches for A-Chain, 26 fantasy points. 12 touches for Mostert, 
four fantasy points. Okay. But Mostert played great too. It's just he had he had, the, he had the best catch by a running back all week. It's just sometimes you get touches in situations where there is there's not a lot of room to operate. There's no crease. It's okay. It's football. It's week to week football. If you started Mostert, don't feel bad. It was good process. If you started Jacoby Myers, that was bad process. If you started Elijah Moore, that was bad process. That's the difference. Interesting usage note. Dalton Kincaid, five targets. Dawson Knox, one target. This is a good trend. I want to see this trend continue. On the other side of that, Sky Moore. The routes are diminishing week over week. The targets are diminishing week over week. None of the wide receivers were targeted heavily. None of them produced this week. But the the underlying usage for Sky Moore, the route participation is trending downward, and I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't understand it. I believe he is a better player than Kadarius Toney. He's a better player than Martez Valdez-Scantling. I don't understand what's happening. I don't get it. I don't know. I'm upset. I wish it wasn't so, but it is so. It's a bummer. It's it's a major, major bummer. And the, the, the big takeaway, the biggest takeaway is that you needed to be going zero RB. You needed to be going zero RB, and you were better off drafting a quarterback before a running back. Your first quarterback being drafted before your first running back was the right move, right? Because think about the running backs that you could get late. Isaiah Pacheco, he just put up 24 fantasy points against a stout front seven in the Jets. He he is the primary back for the Kansas City Chiefs. This has been underreported, apparently, right? So if you go hero RB, maybe Travis Etienne is, your, is the first running back you draft in round four, right? And you get to avoid Nick Chubb, gone for the season, Saquon Barkley, lost season, Austin Eckler, lost season, Jonathan Taylor, lost season, Ramadre Stevenson, getting exposed, right? He's not an explosive runner. Jameer Gibbs, total zero. Kenneth Walker looks like Nick Chubb. David Montgomery was available in round six. He is the primary back on one of the NFC's best offenses. This was an e- this was easy math. Billy and I laid it out to you. Why you want David Montgomery. Why you want Isaiah Pacheco. Why you want Rashad White. Rashad White's floor is 10 fantasy points. Getting all these valuable targets. And now... We have the hamstring injury to Mike Evans, yet more targets coming for Rashad White. And it allowed you to do all kinds of creative things at the beginning of your draft. If you weren't drafting running back, you could have done crazy stuff. Like, you could have taken Stephon Diggs super early. Amon Ross St. Brown super early. I talked about Amon Ross St. Brown at the 103. But actually, actually, though Amon Ross St. Brown at the 103 is, is delivering for you, it's paying off. Stephon Diggs just put up 36 fantasy points. Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen was a 79-point two-player stack this week. A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, 65 fantasy points. Stacking Diggs and Hurts was difficult but not impossible. You had to draft Brown or Diggs very early in the first round over an Austin Eckler. And then maybe you could get, at the beginning of the third round, Early in the third round, draft an Allen, draft a Hertz. Those those draft sequences, those draft pick sequences were available to you if you decided to get creative in the first five picks of the first round and just mix it up. Say, I'm going to get some Jefferson, some Chase, some Amon Ross, some Diggs, some A.J. Brown. 
and then you could actually get A.J. Brown, Hurt Stacks, Diggs, Allen Stacks. Those are looking like the path to victory this year. In the second round, we talked about it. There's all kinds of wide receivers that we liked in the second round. Love Chris Olave. Also love Garrett Wilson. Liked them about the same. Didn't understand why they were two rounds of difference or one round difference. Didn't understand it. Garrett Wilson's insulated. Bad quarterback play doesn't affect him. He's still putting up 15 fantasy points on 14 targets. That's the beauty of drafting a true number one with elite, true alpha talent, unlike a Calvin Ridley, who's competing with much better receivers than Wilson was competing with in New York. And Wilson's just a much better receiver just in every way. Faster, better route runner, more explosive, stronger at the catch point, everything better. So the, the, the case for zero RB is strengthened by the fact that you, you could have got creative and made some of these superstar stacks with the wide receiver and the quarterback. They were possible. And drafting wide receivers like Chris Olave was good process. It's just that Derek Carr wasn't right. Clearly, Derek Carr was not right this week. That's okay. Now, I don't know what happened to Roshan Johnson. That, that, one, that one threw me. On the starter stream show, we had some crazy, crazy player dichotomies and start sit questions involving Roshan Johnson and I felt uncomfortable having to having to say no you're not starting Roshan no you're not starting Roshan let him show you that he's the starter like let it happen you can wait a week with a guy on the bench until it's proven to be so before you then go ahead and push the button and move Roshan in instead of a player over a player who is actually good you wouldn't do that Right, I remember there was a question, Roshan or Rashad White. I was like, Rashad White? What are you talking about? Roshan or Isaiah Pacheco? I was like, Pacheco? What? Pacheco's actually the starter. All we know is that Jeremy Fowler is speculating that Roshan might be for a much worse team. Just wait and see if it happens first. Jeremy Fowler isn't anybody. That's the takeaway, right? Now we look up 18 carries for Khalil Herbert. But I feel good about Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard is just better than Miles Sanders. And he's getting more carries now. Like, I wasn't ready for Chuba Hubbard to get more carries than Miles Sanders in week four before Roshan was able to get more carries than Khalil Herbert. That, that surprised me. The carry distribution in Minnesota was exactly what I expected. A few carries, handful of carries for Akers. Madison still the, the workhorse. And I don't see necessarily a case for Akers to earn yet more touches. Madison was good. Akers was also efficient. But I expect Madison to continue to be the workhorse there, at least the primary back getting the 60% share of the opportunity share. Terrace Marshall was 9 for 10 with Bryce Young as his quarterback. He out-targeted Adam Thielen and crushed DJ Chark in the usage. Terrace Marshall truthers unite. That is a takeaway, baby! He's, he's just a fun, explosive wide receiver who took time to develop. That's a lot of receivers. You see these receivers that like a Quinton Johnston and they look great in shorts and they're delivering these like spectacular acrobatic catches in training camp against air. That's what Terrace Marshall was doing. And it took him three years to get to this point. Why anyone thinks that it's going to somehow Quinton Johnston is just going to take over for Mike Williams. He's clearly a developmental wide receiver, just like Terrace Marshall was very similar players. Except that, you know, Terrace Marshall just a little bit more explosive. But you can't you can't tell that to this guy. Play us out. Play us out, counselor. 
He told us, the counselor told us all about Quentin Johnston. Shame on us for not listening. Guys, I told you, Quentin Johnston round nine was going to be the biggest steal in your draft. Biggest steal in your draft. Biggest steal in your draft. I hate it so much. I don't understand it. I believe he is a better player than Kadarius Tony. I believe he's a better player than Martavis. Uh, I almost said Martavis Bryant. <laughs> Marquez Valdez Scantling. We're so fortunate that Bill Belichick did not retire when Brady left. He should have. He should have, but he didn't. He wanted to hold on. Maybe add to his legacy by winning without Brady. Nah, 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 nah. It was Brady that added to his legacy by winning without Belichick. And now we're seeing it again. Now we're seeing it again. We're seeing another, just another chink, right? Another chink. It's just chink after chink after chink after chink in this Bill Belichick armor, right? This this narrative-driven armor that he's this genius coach. Oof.